Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. The Passover service memorializes the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The price of sin is enormous. And that's why we think about that price every single year in the spring. Christ suffered horribly, was beaten, his body was torn apart, bones protruded through the flesh. And that was all to pay for physical sins, which lead to sickness, injury, and eventually death. Sins against our bodies that cause really a lot of deterioration and pain. If we're not eating right, sleeping enough, exercising, all of those health laws. And so Christ did suffer horribly to pay for those physical sins. And then he also actually died. He was crucified to pay for spiritual sins. Anything that breaks the Ten Commandments, and that includes the spirit of the law as well. Even dwelling on wrong thoughts or saying things in the wrong spirit that would break the Ten Commandments. Christ suffered and died to pay for physical and spiritual sins. Now, a lot of people understand the spiritual side of that, the fact that his death is a monumental event, but perhaps they overlook the physical side as well, paying for the physical sins too. But here is a verse that demonstrates the unbreakable link between the physical and spiritual when it comes to Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Psalm 103, verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. We understand the forgiveness side. When we repent, Christ will wash those sins away. It will be as if they never happened if we really do commit to changing and living a different way. But the second part of that verse talks about healing all our diseases as well. So Christ's sacrifice does address both sides, the spiritual sins and the physical sins. This is the most solemn occasion of the year, every year at Passover. We have to view it the right way and have the right perspective on it. In chapter 4, the meaning of the Passover of the booklet, How to Be an Overcomer, Mr. Gerald Fleury writes about the Passover and what it really is all about. And he writes on page 45, the Passover is the first service of the holy day season. If our observance of that memorial is off, it can affect the whole holy day season and the whole year. It's extremely important to start off right with the Passover. 
On page 46, Mr. Fleury writes, The Passover is not a time to focus on ourselves or even on repentance of our sins. It is a time to focus on the sacrifice of Christ for our sins. There is a big difference. Obviously, at an event like Passover where people are very quiet and serious and we are taking time to consider the devastating effect our sins had on Christ, it can be very easy to get the focus off of Christ and onto ourselves and start beating ourselves up for what we have done to Christ. But the focus should not be on our own sins or even the repentance of our sins, as Mr. Fleury writes here. And by the way, you can get yourself a free copy of How to Be an Overcomer at thetrumpet.com. Mr. Fleury writes here on page 46, think about this for a moment. The creator of the universe, of the angels and of man, came to this earth. He did not sin. He did not have to repent because he did not sin. He came here as God in the flesh to die for your sins and mine. The creator of everything did that for us. So just think about that fact. This great eternally existing God being. The word who dwelled alongside God forever. But then he becomes a human being. He lives perfectly for 33 and a half years. And then he has to be savagely beaten and murdered to pay for our physical and spiritual sins. So just picture how you would feel about sin if you had to suffer in that way. Would you have a casual attitude about sin if you were tortured and slaughtered because of sin? So obviously God and Jesus Christ hate sin. Sin is an abomination to them. Would they really just accept us being casual about sin and just thinking it's funny, thinking it's just inevitable and we might as well just accept sin and learn how to live with it rather than getting it out of our lives. Mr. Flurry talks about that on page 47 of How to Be an Overcomer, just how sin is a big joke to this world. I mean, that's obvious if you just turn on the television or you look at the news. It's just so obvious that every sin is seen as sort of just a joke. Drugs, sex sins, addictions. Oh, those are just things we all need. We all get into those things because we need to get through life. This is a miserable life and we need vices. That's the message we hear all the time. Sin is funny. We should just joke about it. And yet God hates it. 
with a passion that the price that God had had to pay for our sins is overwhelming. Romans 6 verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. So eternal death awaits us if we refuse to repent. Now, thankfully, God gives us a lifetime to make the right choice. And that's after he has called us. Once we are called, we have the rest of our lives to grow and overcome and repent and change and receive forgiveness for our sins and to really make that commitment to God. But for those who haven't been called by God yet and their minds have not been open to the truth, they will live a lifetime not knowing God and then they will receive a second physical lifetime after being brought back to life through a resurrection. And they'll have an entire second physical lifetime to choose God's way and to repent of their sins so they can avoid eternal death. So God is really, really patient about this, which is just incredible because we know how much God hates sin. He is willing to wait decades and perhaps over a century for every human being individually to repent and to escape the penalty of eternal death. John 1 verse 29 quotes John the Baptist talking about Christ where he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Yes, every year, God's baptized, converted people keep the Passover. And perhaps other people keep it but God is not there with them. And of course, the whole rest of the world is not keeping it at all. Yet Christ died for the sins of the whole world, not just the few thousand who are following God today. God does see the big picture, and he wants to bring everyone into his family page 48 of how to be an overcomer, the whole world will one day take the Passover as God's people take it today. The way the Bible says to take it, we must make sure we do it God's way. What an example Jesus Christ set for us to stay perfect no matter what. If he sinned even once in 33 and a half years, it would have been over for him. Luke chapter 22 just shows the mental anguish, the emotional torment he went through when he was weak, when he was afraid of his coming scourging and persecution. And in that moment, 
in those moments where he was really struggling to stay the course and make that sacrifice, he cried out to God. Luke 22, verse 42, Father, if you be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Again, if we were in that position, we would be desperate to find any other alternative so that we wouldn't have to be beaten and absolutely skewered and have our blood gush out until we die. Christ, obviously, humanly, did not want to go through this. And yet, to him, God the Father's will reigns supreme. He wanted to do his Father's will. And he cried out to God for help, for the strength, the power, the courage to face his fate. Luke 22, verse 44, just a couple verses later. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Sweating a little bit of blood in prayer. That's how deeply focused Christ was. That's how strong his connection with God the Father was while he was a human being. While he awaited his suffering and death. What an example for us. When we are weak, God can make us strong. When we are fearful, God can make us courageous. When we want to run away, God can help us fight. Page 49 of How to Be an Overcomer. Mr. Flurry writes, What suffering he endured in order to be perfect. Christ knew what was coming, and he prayed fervently so he wouldn't sin. He perspired blood to keep from sinning. He did all of this so he could be our savior and give us a future. Can you imagine someone praying with that intensity to avoid sin? Can you imagine Christ, who is supposed to live in us, working so fervently and fiercely to avoid sinning? He wants us to follow his example. So much of the time when we find ourselves in difficult situations, when we are struggling with something, our minds start racing. We become frantic, trying to think of any sort of solution, anything to get us out of that predicament. Yet how much do we really understand? It's actually quite simple. We start with crying out to God for help. 
it's really that basic. That is the first step. And of course, we go on from there and we do our part submitting to God and obeying God. But Christ, he ran to God. That was his first instinct even. He knew how badly he needed help as a human being. And he always got that help. He always put God first. He always got power from his father. And we can do the same thing. We don't have to strategize and theorize our way to all kinds of solutions that will just fall short. The power, the strength, the path to victory lies in God. And we need to go to him first anytime we're struggling. And just in general, we need to always go to God first. Psalm 69 verse 20 says that Christ was full of heaviness. He was sorely burdened as a human being knowing that the fate of mankind was on his shoulders. That is heavy. That is stressful. And yet at the same time, we know how joyful Christ really was. God pushed him to the very limits and Christ came through. But he did it because of God's power. Page 50, have you ever been full of heaviness? God tries and tests us. He wants us to sacrifice for the world and learn how to submit to his will as Christ did. This can be awfully hard to do. Are you that strong? If we are not careful, we can get caught up in our own trials and think, why is God so hard? but we need to think about Christ's sacrifice for us. Basically, no matter how hard it gets for us, it could be harder. Christ is an example of that fact. Do we really need to wallow and mope and sulk in our problems? Do we really need to be overwhelmed by negativity? Look at Christ's example. Always going to God. God always helped him. Christ was able to stand up from his prayers and face his problems like a man of God. He was a man and he was God at the same time. And for us to be godly men and women, we have to rush to God in prayer. And God will take away the negativity. He will take away the discouragement. He'll give us the right perspective. He'll give us comfort. He'll help us through anything, but we have to go to him. He's always there. He's waiting to help. We have to go to him. And we have to fight with full force, like Christ did. 
You can look at Matthew 4, the titanic battle of the ages between Christ and the devil. Christ fasted 40 days just to prepare for a brief confrontation with Satan. 40 days without food and water. Now today, we probably are not nearly physically healthy enough to try a fast like that, and we really shouldn't go for 40 days. But remember, Christ never committed one physical sin. He was at peak health, and he was able to do that. But even though we can't go 40 days, there's another tool for us. That tool of fasting. And sometimes there are problems so severe in our lives that we absolutely cannot address them unless we use prayer and fasting together. Again, on page 50, Mr. Fleury says, Satan tends to turn on the pressure around this time of the year. I believe the single greatest cause of discouragement around this time of the year and perhaps throughout the year is that people are not looking on the Passover the way they should. If we don't see the sacrifice of Christ the way we should, then we can get our minds on ourselves. And that's just a general principle for us to learn. Selfishness leads to unhappiness. When our thoughts and our desires and our cares and concerns are wrapped up in ourselves, we simply will not find happiness. Christ lived to do his Father's will and to finish his Father's work. He skipped meals to help people, to teach people, to heal people. Every time he wanted to get away for a bit of quiet time and people followed him, he didn't brush them away in irritation. He served even more. He lived a life of unselfishness and that made him happy. So we see this example of Christ and it's right there for us in the gospel accounts. It's so great for us to go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and just learn from all that Christ did, but he cried out to God in prayer. He fasted, he served, and he always had the strength he needed by the power of God's Holy Spirit to drive out sin. He kept God's law perfectly in terms of physical health and also spiritual health. That's the example for us. And that's why at this time of year, before Passover, we're thinking constantly about Christ's example. Going forward from the Passover, we picture the complete removal of sin from our lives. We don't just repent of our sins and receive forgiveness and then live lawlessly. We go right into keeping the seven-day festival, the Days of Unleavened Bread. 
the feast of unleavened bread, getting out the leaven, which pictures sin, following Christ's example of sinlessness. And every, every time we stumble and fall, we get right back up. We go to God for help and we keep moving forward. We can overcome the devil just like Christ did. And God expects us to do it. Revelation 12 verse 11 gives us this two point, this two point formula for how to conquer just like Christ did. We have to overcome by the blood of the lamb, which we think about and we go through during the Passover. We repent of our sins and the second part is by the word of our testimony or the way we live our lives. You can see that Revelation 12 verse 11. So we get Christ's help and then we follow his example. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.